0: Back to Hunger for the Outdoors. I'm Melissa.
1: I'm Zach. I'm Connor. I'm Mikaela. I'm Gibson.
0: And this week we're talking about lake fishing. Yep. We we talked about rivers last week, and so this week we wanted to come back through and give you guys a a breakdown of how to fish lakes. Um, and the two species that we'll be covering most aggressively are largemouth bass and trout so connor do you want to start us off on the first point and kind of we'll just keep going through and make our way through it
2: uh yeah let's talk a little bit about the differences between lakes ponds i know a lot of the fishing that i do is just in little man-made community ponds just because that's what's quick and easy nearby me but i definitely enjoy doing high elevation uh, more natural Occurring lakes up in the mountains of the Uintas and stuff like that. Um, I don't know about any of you guys, but that's just kind of what I prefer. I try to avoid a lot of the reservoirs and everything because they seem to be a lot bigger. And around here anyways, they attract more boaters. Yeah, I try to avoid a lot of the reservoirs because around here they're a little bit bigger. And they seem to just attract more boaters, people out boating for fun with... Uh, tubes and jet skis and whatnot. And I'm too broke to have a boat. <laughs> and so I do a lot of shore fishing. And all these boats just make the sh- uh, water too choppy to fish from the sh- uh, shore. So I try to avoid reservoirs.
1: I I tend to think that reservoirs are a little bit more like dirtier and grimier as well. I'm not a huge, huge fan of reservoirs.
0: Yeah. And I guess what, we're, what our entire – goal of this podcast is in this episode is to let our viewers not be intimidated by bigger lakes and reservoirs versus ponds well
1: oh, they're um, so so easy to fish too once you once you understand how to do it it's
0: it's less intimidating because it seems a whole lot bigger if you don't understand how to break down a reservoir or a lake right exactly
2: and there's usually a lot bigger fish in reservoir too
0: yeah. The bigger the area, the the bigger the body of water, the bigger fish can grow. Mm
2: -hmm. I know like uh, Flaming Gorge and Strawberry Reservoir out here, they're really big lakes known for holding really big fish.
0: Yeah. So I guess the difference between lakes, ponds, and reservoirs. So a pond is just like what Connor was saying. It's a little man-made fishing hole. Um, that you could walk around in about 20 minutes at the biggest. Connor, how long would it take you to walk around the one that's just right next to your place?
2: It takes me probably no more than 10 minutes if I'm fishing it. If I'm not, you know, like five minutes.
0: So it's a pretty small pond. Yeah. Um, And a lake would be something that you actually can't walk around reasonably fishing is what I'd say. That's how big it'd need to be to be a lake.
2: Yeah, well, I've seen you try.
0: You're, you're not wrong. I've, I've definitely tried it <laughs> a few times. Um, and then there's reservoirs. And reservoir, the difference between a lake and a reservoir is a reservoir is a part of a river that's been dammed up to hold water. So those are kind of the differences. And the way that we'll help you guys understand lakes and reservoirs, you essentially fish lakes and reservoirs the same way you do a small pond and so what we'll do is we'll help you guys understand small ponds and in doing so you can break down sections of a big lake or a big reservoir into several small sections that you can fish effectively um, and go back several days and do that Mm -hmm. Um, I guess Gibby why don't you take us through the spawn cycles and do you know kind of when that happens
1: you know, I'm not 100% sure. I really just like to throw my pole out and hope I catch a fish, if I'm being honest.
0: Hey, man, <laughs> I, I love doing that, too. And something that will help you do that is the spawn cycles. Yes, it will. Um, so, early, early in the year, trout spawn. And that's why a lot of people you'll see use trout eggs. is because it's one of the most effective ways to catch bigger trout. So when trout are spawning, a great bait is fish eggs. Now, if you're using it in the middle of the year, it's probably not going to be nearly as effective. Though you may still catch some fish on it, it's just probably not going to be nearly as effective. Um, But trout don't break down into different cycles the way that um, bass do. Bass have many distinctive cycles. Um, You have the pre-spawn the spawn and then the post spawn and for bass the pre-spawn is when a lot of guys are effectively trying to catch the biggest chunks of the year um the name of the game for pre-spawn is bait fish if you want to catch a big fish go with a big bait i have watched a guy use a full bluegill and catch a very large largemouth because it was just pre-spawn and still a little cold um, bass will start spawning at about 60 degrees with the water temperature and they will become incredibly aggressive with when being on their beds when spawning now there's a lot of debate on catching bedding fish and we're not going to argue that um, we're not going to talk about that a whole lot all we're going to say is it's much easier to catch a fish on a bed um, during the spawn than probably any other time of year we're not going to debate the ethics of it we're not going to debate um should you do it shouldn't you the next thing we're going to talk about is post-spawn and that's when all those big fish after they've all spawned out and they're kind of exhausted they go back out down into the deep part of the lake and they're going to try to get a little bit bigger get their energy back up all that kind of stuff Um, and that kind of breaks down the, the spawn cycles for us and how it works, but let's move on into location. Yeah. Um, so guys, if you're fishing a small pond and you have a piece of land that comes out into a point into the pond, fish are more attracted to that area because it's more likely to be shallower. And the fish can transition into deep water really easy at that area. And so they'll congregate there. And a lot of times what I like to use is I like to use a fan cast. And so I'll start exactly 90 degrees from facing out into the water and work my way until I'm going all the way to the other way. So I'll start off to my right and work to my left. That way I'm covering that entire point. And if I'm fishing for bass, I'll use a swim bait or a chatter bait or a spinner bait, anything that'll cover water quickly. Um, I've never been a huge fan of cranks, but I know a lot of guys swear by them. I mean, Kevin Van Dam, he's got three more Bassmaster to his name that I do. And so he uses them, but I've never been able to effectively use them. As for trout, uh, spinner, you know, start off to your right and make casts along that point and a lot of times those fish will be attracted to that point so as long as you can get a bait moving in there you'll find those active fish
1: um so this next one we've got is drop-offs and from how i understand a drop-off it's exactly what it sounds it sounds like you know it just there's ground and then there's not ground and personally i've had a lot of luck in drop-offs i really like fishing drop-offs Ideally, when I get to a lake, I find one and that's where I go because I find that, you know, I have more fun there when I hook into a fish. And, you know, some people tell you, oh, you don't catch a whole lot of fish there. Some people tell you you catch the most amount of fish there. And, you know, I just I like fishing them because it's very, very easy to be able to fish deep, shallow. Typically, you've got 180 degrees of fishing. Um, sometimes you got a little bit more than that too. Um, so typically my, my go-to for that is my two poles. I'll throw one with a little bubble filled with water and a worm and the bubble's just so it's a little bit harder to get snagged, um, with your, you know, with, with the bubble opposed to with some sinkers, your sinkers are going to get caught up a lot easier in my opinion. Um, and I'll put a, just a little worm on it, throw it out, and then I'll go right to that gold jake like we talked about last week, and I'll just do exactly what Zach was saying with that last one, just fan fan it out and lots of quick, easy, you know, casts reel in, and typically I'll catch quite a few fish doing that. So, again, when you
2: pull up to a lake that you've never been, how do you find those drop-offs? Do you just look for, like, just take a guess or do you look for color difference in the water or
1: um typically yeah it is, you know, depending on the type of drop off. The types I usually go to are like right where those walls are. You'll look at a lake and you'll see a big wall and it goes straight down. Um but yeah, it you can really see also the the difference in the color of the water. It gets a little bit darker where it's at, kinda. Um it's not very articulate, so it's very hard for me to explain stuff like that. But it it it's color change for sure, yes. Um,
2: uh, the next spot that we wanted to cover is feeder creeks. Uh, this is when a river is feeding in to a body of water, or even when it's feeding out is another great area too. Um, there's this little pond not too far from here up in the mountains it's called um oh it's a Tibble fork Mm. and it's a great little fishing spot for kids you know the fish don't get bigger than nine ten inches there and it's pretty easy to catch fish there it's where i grew up fishing it's the first place my dad took me and it's got a little stream that feeds into it and i remember we'll probably post a picture of this but i remember I had to have been 10 or 11, maybe a little bit older. I think it was about 13 or so. I talked to my dad and going fishing with me out there one morning. And I brought my waders and I could see this little school of fish. There were probably 10 to 15 fish just in this little school. And I don't think the, they got any bigger than seven or eight inches, but you know, it's still pretty cold. We will see a school of fish and trying to catch them. And they were all hanging out right there at the mouth of the river, right as it fed in to this pond. That's because a lot of food and nutrients will come flowing down from that river and kind of pour out into the lake right there. And so they're all kind of gathered there and pick the flies off, pick this food off and whatnot. But you got to be kind of careful. What I did was I wasn't very smart. I took my waders and I walked up a little bit into this river and started casting toward uh the pond and reeling back towards me and this river bed wasn't very sturdy; it was very muddy and so what ended up happening was i sunk into the mud probably waist deep (laughs) and my dad just sat there and laughed and he said good luck getting out he took a couple pictures of me. Maybe we'll post those pictures. But it was uh it was one of those memories you kind of look back on, laugh with fishing with your dad. But no, those are great spots because, um, like I said, the fish will sit there, and that fresh water will come in and bring fresh oxygen and kind of cycle through their gills, as well as bringing food in. And so that's another great place to look for fish. And oftentimes it's shallow enough that you can just look and see the fish like I was able to.
0: Yeah. And another thing with that is watch for rising fish. You know, we're getting into that time of year where you can see fish and they're starting to pick off flies at the top. So if you can see fish uh, rising, that's a great way to learn how to fly fish is by sight fishing them.
2: Yeah. I think that's the number one thing you should look for when you pull up to a lake. Look for
1: fish jump and fish rising. Look for those rings. There's no sense in guessing if you know exactly where they're at. Yeah.
0: Yep. The next thing we're going to talk about is rock piles. And this is more applicable to smallmouth. And we know, I know we said we were going to apply this mostly to largemouth and trout. Um, but if you're in a, a lake or a pond or even a reservoir and you know there's smallmouth there, Keep an eye on your fish finder if you've got one. And um, I'm trying to think of the fish finder that I like. Oh, it's uh, a deeper. It's a portable fish finder. And if you can get a hold of one, they're really, really amazing. But keep an eye for rock piles on the bottom. And if you can find them after the smallmouth are done spawning, chances are there's a couple of smallmouth hanging around a rock pile. So that's why we threw that one in there is because that's just a really great one for smallmouth. And those fish will really congregate there because a lot of crawdads will crawl into the rock piles.
1: Okay. Um, that takes us to shallows. Um, And I'm not a huge fan of fishing shallows, but a lot of people are. And i th- I think my approach to a shallow would kind of just be – you know depending on how shallow it is time of year just walk out into it and get far enough out where you can just kind of spin in a circle um and just spin fish honestly that's that's how i would approach a shallow and you know i i i always take out two poles and I'll bait fish one but i think i think if i were to really just fish shallow i would only fish one with a spinner and i just take out You know, my gold jake, my silver jake, my black jake, whatever jakes I have, whatever other spinners I like, and just kind of cycle through them until I find something that they're biting on. And fish it like that, honestly, it would be how I would approach it. What do you guys want to add to that? That's not a very good explanation.
0: That was a great explanation. I think the only thing I would add on to it is that's also the greatest place that you'll find bedded bass to be able to catch them during the spawn. That's all I would add. Um, But the last location we're going to cover is warm slash cold spots. Um, And in order to understand this, you have to understand the difference between fish. Um, Bass are cold-blooded. They're like a lizard. They like warm water a whole lot more than they like cold water. And when they have warm water, their metabolism goes up, so they need to eat more. But Every fish is essentially the same way. If you can find an area that's warmer than other areas, then you are far more likely to catch fish there than in areas that are colder. Um, So if you have the opportunity to fish warm areas over cold areas, for example, if the sun is coming up and it hits one side of the lake or pond first You know, go over to that side and fish it first if the sun's going down and the sun's only hitting one side of the lake or pond fish the side that the sun is on not only will the sun give you some concealment but also at the same time it will warm that water up and cause those fish to congregate there harder
2: yeah Uh, I got another thing to add to that um Oftentimes, like, especially this time of year where things are just starting to warm up. I know here it's only hit 60 a few times. Um, It's been 50 degrees the last week or so. But you don't always need, like, a fish finder or a thermometer or anything like that to know water temperature. Um, When I first started to put and post some pictures of fish I've been catching on the Facebook page and Instagram, I caught those first few fish in the warmer water. I pulled up to the pond that I usually go fishing to and went straight over to the the far west end. I was like, this is where I usually see a lot of fish. Um, Pull up, hopefully there'll be some fish there. I'll catch a couple fish and go home. I pulled up and started casting a little bit and I wasn't getting anything. Nobody around me was getting any bites. And I realized that you know, not too far from me is this little corner where they got a lot of trees and overhang and a lot of, uh, you know, sticks and underground or underwater structures, and it was all iced over still because it doesn't get any sun with all the trees hanging over it. And I realized that kind of where the sun, the path of the sun goes this time of year the side of the lake that I'm on doesn't get a whole lot of sunlight during the day so I was like all right I'll move to the complete opposite corner of the pond and all of a sudden I had the sun in my eyes and I was facing the sun and that's when I started getting hits is when I moved to that side of the lake that was getting more sunlight a lot of the fish were over there getting warmed up Um, and so that's just one story of how changing your positions to the warmer water can help you be more successful
0: yeah and so guys make sure you're paying attention to the temperature of the water and where the sun is um next i guess we're going to talk more about tactics and strategies that's our next two subjects um i guess do you guys have anything on bass we've covered a lot lately on trout and what we use and how we do it and and that's awesome um but today we want to focus on bass and trout and we've talked a lot about trout so you guys have any bass
1: you 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 fish way more bass and i i've never actually caught a bass if i'm being honest with everybody
2: yeah truth be told i never caught a bass either um really the most bass fishing I've ever done was with you when we were in illinois on our missions um and even then you know that didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> you spent more time untangling backlashes on my bait caster than anything.
0: <laughs> well, um, I promise you both that by the end of this year, you'll have your first bass. But yeah.
2: just I know for that a second, uh, you're, coming up, you're coming down here around the time this episode's, episode comes out. It's going to be a little over 60 degrees this weekend. Maybe we'll hit up a few places with some bass.
0: Yeah, that might be a lot of fun. We could definitely do that. Um, As for tactics and strategies, guys, I will give you my tactic and mine is not the correct or the only tactic. Um, in for a more in-depth thing, I would do some more research, you know, talk uh, about guys like, uh, Jimmy Horton, Jimmy Houston, Kevin Van Dam, guys like that. Those guys know what they're talking about. I've been bass fishing a little bit. I only know a little bit. Um, My tactic is to make sure that I am covering water. Um, And Connor knows that I don't like to sit in one spot long. I I really can't. Um, In order to cover water, I use a fast-moving bait. I don't use a drop shot to cover water. My go-to baits for covering water are going to be a creature Texas rig, or a topwater, or a... Um, spinner bait or chatterbait and those baits will get me around the lake fast enough to figure out where the active fish are. Um, that's my go-to and after I've found active fish then I will slow down and move and kind of work that area a little harder with a slower moving bait find the bigger fish in that group but in order to in order to be as effective as possible, I like to find active fish as quickly as I can. Um, other than that, I, again, Connor will attest to this. I like finding the thickest, nastiest crap I can find and just casting into there. If I know there's fish in there and I haven't had a bite on my active search, I'm going to find a fallen down tree and I'm going to throw it right into the heart of it. I want to find every fish in there, and I'm going to hit him on the head with my bait.
2: Yeah, I'm convinced you're not afraid of losing any lures.
0: I've only lost a few, and I find more than I lose.
2: <laughs> I think I lost half the years on the mission.
0: <laughs> yeah, that I wouldn't
1: be surprised with. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw my... My two cents out on you know tac- tactics and strategy of fishing a river, and it's probably going to be more pushed toward trout because that's what I do. Um, but in all honesties, you know I pull up to a lake. Did I say river? Yeah. Just a moment. Yeah, I didn't say lake. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that just shows how much I really like fishing lakes. But my 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 strategy and tactics, you know. Pull up. I look at the lake and I, I find the entry points for water and I find the exit points of water. And I go to one and I walk about ten minutes up it or ten minutes down it and I fish right there because there's no reason to be on the lake. Just fish the rivers. <laughs> <laughs> rivers. Yep, rivers. No, but I think I think the biggest fish I've ever pulled out of a lake have been at the entries and exit points. Um, in all seriousness, I, I really like those spots. I'll fish just barely up or just barely down. And then kind of the whole spot where that water kind of, you can kind of imagine water coming in and kind of how it opens up as it hits the lake. I'll fish everywhere it opens up. If, if you can imagine that.
0: Yeah, and... and- To go along with that, guys, I I just can't reiterate Connor's point enough where he said the entryway of a body of water is going to bring the fish oxygen and food, and that's what will attract those fish. Now, they may not be there if they're not actively feeding, but you don't want to try as hard for those fish that aren't actively feeding. It's going to be a lot harder to convince them to bite a lure. Those fish that are sitting at the entryways are most likely taking a rest and getting ready to eat some more. So if they're not biting right away when you get there at that entry point, give it a half an hour, try again. Because if they're at that entryway, they're there for two reasons, oxygen and food.
2: Yeah, I know that kind of my tactic is if I don't see any fish jumping right off the bat... Um, or even if I do, wherever I'm out on the lake, I like to throw out, you know, some power bait on one reel and start using spinners or other lures on a different reel. I always like to have two bulls in the water. Um, and I'll always keep that power bait. I might switch up the power bait or switch it to like some salmon eggs or something like that, but I always keep just one bait sitting there and if I'm not getting any hits on my lure maybe I'll try a fly maybe I'll pull out a fly rod or something and start using that but pretty much nowhere, no matter where I'm at that's kind of my approach of things um, And it, it varies you know depending on where the water is at what's under the water if there's a lot of moss or a lot of structures you will know, try to you know maybe make my lure whatever it is a little bit more weedless or maybe I'll throw the bait over there and start lure fishing somewhere else but that's kind of my approach at lakes and ponds and everything
1: and you know i i've probably said this about every single time i've been on this podcast um there is no one way to do this and there's no end all be all this is going to work this is how to do it and Connor's gone fishing with me at least once a year for 15 years, typically more than once a year. And he will be the first to tell you that I do not have the same approach every single time I hit a body of water. Mm-hmm.
2: He does usually have uh, night crawlers on him, though. That is one thing I'd say stays somewhat consistent.
1: Yeah. I, I will always fish with night crawlers, but where I go changes how I do it changes um
2: especially this year you said what, you promised yourself you wouldn't pick up your spinner rod till you got fly fishing down
1: yeah i uh I did and I'll, if we've got time at the end, we'll kind of share a little bit of why why that is, but um at the end of that we we'll,
0: we'll get to that. Yeah, I guess the, as a kind of a closing thing, let's really quickly color, cover watercolor and water temperature and why they're important. Um, Gibby and Connor, why don't you guys cover why it's important to pay attention to watercolor? And I guess we've kind of covered temperature already, so let's forget about that. Let's just do watercolor when it comes to trout fishing.
2: Um, I know difference in watercolor can oftentimes mean there's a drop off there, which as we've covered, is a place that you want to aim, and you know sometimes you do need a boat to get out to those drop-offs. You know, if they're nowhere near the shore, but uh, there is another thing I like to cover is, for like I can't remember what it's called, but you usually see it if you're out on a boat, or even you can see it from the shore. But if you've ever noticed um, the water. It's all a little crispy. But there's a random section of the water in the middle of nowhere. That's a little bit more calm. Maybe has a little bit brighter of a color to it. I forget what it's called and white so forward, but I do remember that fish love to hang out right Yeah, it's
0: there. slack water and it's because the bugs don't get moved and they're easier to pig out.
2: Oh yes, that's mm-hmm. right.
0: Um, my biggest thing with differences
1: in difference of watercolor is, in my experience, a lot of the time you see that difference of watercolor, you'll see a really, really dark, dark water that's in a circle. Um, and I catch the most amount of fish there. I mentioned a story last week about going out and catching, you know, an insane amount of fish without anybody else catching any, and that's that's where I was hitting. I was hitting this particular part of the water that was black um and so I I really like to fish the darkers the darkest you can get and I really like to fish the lightest you can get um I I enjoy spin fishing the lighter the the lighter colors of water and bait fishing the darker colors of waters how I would approach different colors of water
2: Yeah, in all reality, that darker color of water, that could have been a school of fish or just could have been some debris or something under the water.
1: Yep, it's hard to know without
0: actually being able to get out there. And as for bass, um, if it's darker water, I'm going to cover, I'm going to do an extreme color, you know, either black and blue or chartreuse. Um, But as I've told Connor numerous times, I've never had a whole lot of faith in bright colors, except for in trout fishing. Um, I, I, do it, I don't do it with bass, though. I'll pick up a, a black and blue before I ever pick up a, a chartreuse. Um, and then when it gets to be a more clear color water, I want a more natural colored bait. And that's a rule of thumb for anything for me. The clearer the water, the more natural I want the bait. The more dirty the water, the more I want it to stand out so the bait, the fish can see it. And that's pretty basic for me.
2: Yeah, I'll try and, uh, especially when trout fishing, we will try and get something that's flashy and gets their attention and uh, kind of triggers that instinct to hit it. Which is why I love those golden jakes so much.
1: Yep, yeah, those gold jakes are to die for. I love them so much. Well, guys, until next time,
0: I'm still Zach.
1: I'm Melissa. I'm Colin. And we hope you guys keep the hunger
0: for the outdoors.